0: Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we are strolling around the Big Apple and talking about literary walking tours. I am joined by Eric Chase, who is the owner of Bootscrape Entertainment, a company which runs literary pub crawls and walking tours around New York City. Eric's company offers tours of Greenwich Village, Brooklyn and Times Square also uh, a tour designed for families, a Bohemian culture tour and also he offers private tours. The company began in 1998 as a Greenwich Village Literary Pub Crawl and it's been going strong ever since. The company's website says that Walkers will hear the stories and poems and prose that makes New York City the epicenter of American literature. Welcome Eric!
1: Well, thank you very much, Richard. Pleasure to be here. Excellent.
0: Thanks for joining us. Now, uh, my first question: um, I presume your walking tours include uh, stops at pubs and bars because pubs and bars have been such an essential part of the the city's literary community over the years.
1: Well, we actually like to say that drinking and writing probably gets its start when the first caveman discovered a fermented berry and some paint and was painting cave drawings on the wall. Um, but it does sort of go hand in hand. Um, our tour started in the village as a, as a fundraiser for a theater company, and was uh, inspired by the Dublin Literary Pub Crawl, which has been going on from uh, from the '80s. And, and We realized that the village, in particular, has a strong connection of um, interesting cultural pubs, a bohemian scene, a great literary scene, and uh, really sort of as the cultural epicenter of New York City.
0: Okay, so let's start with the the Greenwich tour. C- can you tell us, what if I went on it, what would I see and what would I hear?
1: Well, we, it's, uh, it's basically three pubs now uh, that we will go to. Uh, generally, they are the White Horse Tavern, the Kettle of Fish, and then Marie's Crisis Cafe. We've tried to find uh, older bars that are still in their older buildings that have a strong connection to the literary and artistic community. As time has gone on, certainly in 1998, there were a plethora of these bars that we could have chosen from, but as the, uh, the dynamic of New York City has changed and the dynamic of the village has changed, they're becoming fewer and far between. But at each bar, um, we'll have time for a drink, and while you're enjoying your drink, we will tell you some of the history of the bar, we'll talk about some of the writers that went there, we'll give you a few stories just of the neighborhood itself, and then we will perform some snippets of some of the writers' work.
0: Right. Now, um, I have to ask about the White Horse Tavern. Um, (laughs) Even before I came and lived in North America, I knew about that place, and I knew about Dylan Thomas. Uh, Do other people, when they're on the tour, ask about Thomas and his exploits in that bar?
1: They do, and we actually have people who will approach us afterwards sometimes who have overheard our, our story. Um, to ask for some more questions, and it still has that reputation because um, it has such a strong connection obviously to Dylan Thomas as being uh, the, uh, allegedly uh, the place that he drank himself to death, which is um, you know part of the mystique, I think. Um, obviously the, the truth of the matter is a little bit more uh, elaborate than that, but it was a very favorite watering hole of his whenever he came to New York City. Um, there's some wonderful pictures of the time that he was there, and he really felt a strong affinity both for that bar and for the uh, the, the community in that area at the time that he was drinking there.
0: Uh, can you describe it to us? What's it like?
1: Well, it has recently had some renovations. It was recently uh, bought out um, somewhat controversially, um, not quite a year ago now, um, and they've done some remodeling, which uh, it, I think has is, is done a fine job of trying to maintain Some of its historic allure um, while also making it uh, a little bit more accessible these days. But uh, if you walk in, it has much of the same uh, architectural interior uh, for the most part as from its early beginnings, as much as obviously as possible with maintaining an older building. Um, It has the great tin ceilings up above. Um, You really see some of the dynamic or the molding around the uh, the edges. Um, The bar is the original bar uh, from back in the, uh, the late 1880s. And uh, what has happened over the years is originally, and during Dylan Thomas's year, it was just a corner bar, and as as the years progressed, they bought the building next to it and the building next to it, and kind of made a pass-through. So now it's technically what was once three single-family houses with businesses in the bottom that have now uh, all sort of one address, if you will. And if you look at the outside, you can see the three different levels that are there. Um, And uh, um, it's... uh, A lot of decorations, obviously, of Dylan Thomas, as well as sort of the neighborhood at the time. Um, You walk in, there's a beautiful, big mirror behind the bar there, Um, and if you're looking outside, you can see some of the carving of uh, horses uh, that they've put out there to to decorate it. But you definitely still get a sense of being in what is technically, uh, depending on how you define it, the second oldest bar in New York City.
0: Right, so it's historic, too. It, it sort of reminds me a bit of uh, The Eagle and Child in Oxford, which is where the, the Inklings drank, so Tolkien and uh, Lewis and other writers would drink in that pub, and I can't think of many pubs with many more literary connections than these two.
1: No, you know, and they, uh, especially that history, I think the, the competitor on our end would be uh, Chumley's Bar, which was a former stop. Until it collapsed and uh, has recently reopened, uh, again under some controversy. Um, and sh- shockingly, the neighborhood sort of fought back against it. But Shumway's was an old speakeasy that uh, at one point had over four hundred book jackets along the wall that were all allegedly written there and was the real hot spot for the Fitzgerald, Steinbeck, Edna Malay um, time period. Uh, and it's still open now. It's definitely had a lot of work redone on the inside, um, and it's open later in the day than our tours run, but you know, still catches that history. And that was probably uh, a, a strong competitor for one of the most iconic literary bars, certainly in New York City.
0: Okay, and Washington Square. Um, can you explain the literary, the many literary connections that that square has for you?
1: uh... goodness um... there's a lot and and, and actually if you really want to consider greenwich Village as being a living breathing entity washington square is the heart and soul of that uh, of that entity um, it's, it's uh... alan ginsburg uh... was known for uh, famously reading howl uh, leading up to when he would get arrested for a, a blasphemy um, did not help that he would often strip naked when he was d- dancing around reciting his palm but he has uh, several famous readings that he would do there. Um, The Northern Edge of Washington Square uh, is uh, a site where Henry James's grandmother lived that he spent a lot of time at. Uh, He was born around the corner, and so he spent a lot of time in Washington Square and, of course, wrote a little novella called Washington Square. Um, I just recently reread it for a second time, and I always enjoy hearing descriptions of how Washington Square was a place where they would go away from the noise to someplace quiet and peaceful. (laughs) And if you go to Washington Square now, it is sort of the opposite of uh, quiet and peaceful, uh, although it is still quite beautiful. Um, You had um, uh, Edith Wharton uh, also grew up for a while on the the north side of Washington Square, and her novel Age of Reason really kind of captures her struggles with the old new york money that her family came from and this bohemian cultural writing scene that she was getting swept up in in her uh, early to mid-twenties and it's a real great dynamic of just that that how the two cultures were coming together um, both peacefully and uh, uh... you know kind of butting heads as you would um, you had uh, the arch itself as a site of an uh, an arch conspiracy with an attempt to secede from the nation um, back in 1917, um, it was really more of a joke. But you had uh, uh, Marcel Duchamp, you had uh, Gertrude Dick, who was a poet and an aspiring painter, John Sloan, who was a well-known painter of the time um, and still well-known by New York uh, art critics today. Um, and they all went up there and covered the arch with red streamers and declared uh, a free republic of Washington Square. <laughs> and so there's that dynamic to it. Um, you had uh, Carolex spent a lot of time around there. Edna Malay. Um, spent a lot of time in that neighborhood. You had the Town Players across the street, um, and they were really the innovators of the off-off-Broadway theater scene. Um, so it really is just a, a dynamic. I could go on and on. It's, it's a real dynamic square, um, and, and its history even goes back beyond literature to a place of uh, public executions, military parades, and a potter's field yeah. at one point, point. and it's estimated that there are over 19,000 dead bodies buried in the middle of Washington Square.
0: Goodness. So, um, who leads the tours?
1: We have a team uh, of about 12 to 15 people, depending on uh, everyone's schedules. A lot of them are uh, actors and directors, myself, uh, uh, actor and director when I still can. Um, we, have, uh, we have a few lawyers. We have uh, a, a goth librarian. Uh, we have a, 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 what we like to refer to as our, our curmudgeonly older historian, we have um, a museum, uh, installer. Uh, uh, I don't know if "installer" is a word, but I think we all understand what I meant. But uh, we have a real eclectic group. Uh, we will go in, often in teams of pairs, uh, which is the way we prefer to do it. Sometimes we'll go fly solo, depending on the size of the group, um, because we like to have a little bit of that interactive dynamic that we think gives it a certain life to it. Um, but it is an eclectic mix, and many of them come from a very strong theatrical and performing background
0: excellent it sounds like a lot of fun uh, and who comes on the tours are they the classic book nerds
1: you know we get a we get a mix I think probably the best description is we'll usually get couples where one of them is really interested in the literature and the other one heard that they were going to bars and said sure I'll tag along <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the, uh, the overarching dynamic um, we definitely find that as a literary tour there is a bit of a niche market um, but we also get a lot of word of mouth. Uh, people who have come on our tour highly recommend us generally um, because we tend to be a little bit more of a unique uh, uh, tour. And um, I think that what, uh, uh, we're getting really good ratings. We may we, we have uh, less ratings than some of the newer companies who are more savvy on the Internet, but we, uh, we get very high ratings, and that helps direct some people to us. Uh, and I think it's very quick that you don't need to be a literary nerd, if you will, to enjoy the tour. It's very accessible and uh, probably the biggest danger is that your reading list will expand by the end of our tour because you'll have a lot of books you'll want to check out.
0: Right. Um, So at the start I think you mentioned about some changes in in Greenwich. Does Greenwich still have a writing community today?
1: I wouldn't say that it does in the way in the past. I think that you'll find that most of the artistic community that is there is more along the lines of uh the celebrities uh for a long time the Olsen twins uh Liv Tyler uh Sarah Jessica Parker um, you have a lot more of that wealth that has been coming in so it's more established and not quite as uh, uh anti-establishment and inflammatory and uh, pushing the boundaries of culture that uh, you used to see um, there are still some who've been there uh long enough to still have some rent control or who own their own homes um, but a lot of that cultural scene has really been squeezed out um, by by sort of the the natural progression of gentrification
0: right okay now you've also got a tour for Brooklyn and I'm thinking that must be well pretty much just as interesting as, as Greenwich really I'm thinking of all the connections with Capote Walt Whitman Hart Crane can you give us some flavor of what what we'd uh, see on that tour
1: yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's, uh, all of our tours that are the pub crawls have a similar format of uh, you know we try to have time in a bar to enjoy a drink and, and get a feel for that establishment as well as the community. Um, but it is true, obviously, Whitman is is really sort of one of the iconic starting figures. But um, it's uh, uh, I'm really fond of what we have put together for the Brooklyn tour. We capture uh, three neighborhoods. We start out in Brooklyn Heights, uh, we go through Cobble Hill, and we end up in Borough Hill. And you can really get a sense of just how each of those neighborhoods are so unique, and uh, what is really a very short walk in the end um, between the bars. There's a, a lot with Norman Mailer there. Uh, we have a, um, a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft that we found. Um, we have uh, uh, a, uh, the Phantom Toll Booth. Um, I'm actually blanking that author's name at the moment. Um, Jasper's, but uh, uh, that kid's book was written in that area. Um, and uh, um, uh, Paula Fox and her novel Desperate Characters features uh, highly there, and actually uh, Motherless Brooklyn, which is uh, about to become a movie. Um, but Jonathan Latham's Motherless Brooklyn is another uh, popular book there that references several of the places we go to, and in fact, uh, several scenes in that book happen at our last bar. Um, they refer to it as the Barn Hill Inn. Uh, it's now the Brooklyn Inn. Uh, the Barn Hill is this fictional twist. But uh, there's really a, a fun scene, and you get some amazing architecture there that is so unique to New York City, especially in the Brooklyn Heights uh, portion of it. Um, some of those houses are just stunning to look at. Some of us refer to the tour also as the places we'll never live to poor tour uh, because they're so beautiful and profitable.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but do people overindulge on your tours? <laughs> it, it
1: happens. It's rare. Um, we find that because we really only have time for about one drink at a bar and there's enough of a walk in between that you tend to walk it off a little bit. So often we're, we might be the starting point. Um, every once in a while we might get a... La- it's when we have a, a private group or it might get a little rowdy because it tends to be people who haven't seen each other for a while. And surprisingly, my, my red flag most dangerous demographic are late 40s to early 50-year-olds who are coming together as a group. What it is is it's people who haven't seen each other in 15, 20 years who are trying to pretend and live like they're in their 20s. And so they're drinking more heavily than they have in 20 years and they can't handle their liquors.
0: Eric, that's my demographic. <laughs>
1: Well, if you're on your own, I'm not worried, but if you're coming with 20 of your friends, I might be a little nervous.
0: Well, I should have have come on your tour 25 years ago, and then we'd have been fine. (laughs) (laughs) Also, for a moment, I thought you you were going to say librarians would be the rowdiest demographic.
1: We get a lot of librarians, and we actually get a lot of book clubs, which are neither, really, surprisingly. Um, And they they all can get kind of rowdy, but again, in a three-hour period with a uh, a drink bar, um, it's hard to really kind of get overindulged unless you just continue on. And I think that's where we will see um, some of the more interesting post-tour stories, um, is the people who hung out at the last bar, sang a few songs, had a few more drinks, and uh, and kept wandering.
0: Right, so how far would we actually walk, and how many bars would we actually visit on a typical tour?
1: Uh, the three tours that we that we run that are our pub crawls, the uh, uh, Greenwich Village, uh, Times Square, and Brooklyn, uh, all have a similar format. They're uh, three bars each. Um, if we have a private tour, sometimes we will do two, or we might go up to four, depending on the group, uh, the timeline, and the needs. But right. our regular scheduled tours uh, will be three bars. Um, it's about 30 minutes of meandering between bars. Um, if I were to have to look at the distance, it's probably somewhere between just uh, just a little below or just about a mile in the end, but it's a, at a slower pace, and it's split up with, obviously, uh, two rest stops in between.
0: It sounds like a lot of fun. I think we could manage it.
1: I, I have found that the people who do the tour, I rarely advertise for guides. Every so often I've had a few auditions um, when uh, my guides start getting married and having kids. But the uh, most of the people are people who heard about it or came on it and just fell in love with what we do, and so I think that one of the things that is special with us is it's not it's a passion for our particular tour. It's a passion for the writers. Uh, we really we really want to to both honor and enjoy the history, but of the writers and and remind us how so many of these writers shaped the world that we live in today and inspired. The artists and the writers of today, and that much of what we enjoy comes from these people that whose names we've forgotten, or we may have heard of but haven't read. And so, you know, we want to encourage people to read the modern artists, but we want to remind people of sort of our roots a little bit. And so I think there's a certain passion that we have with our guides that uh, um, I think is a little unique and something that I've found people have commented on who've gone on other tours. Um, and I think the other thing that we have, and, and this is partially probably my my interest is my at being a history nerd and a literary nerd is the amount of research that we're doing when i uh, when I really took over and started running this solely on my own, I wanted to find sources for a lot of the information, and we've become a bit of a mythbuster, uh, especially in Greenwich Village, on the tours because there's a lot of misinformation. there's a lot of tours that don't mind stretching the truth or even adding unfactual things and we really try to take pride as much as possible to to tell, f- tell the fun story but make sure we're telling the true story um, and I think that's another unique twist that we bring to the community
0: So we're back to books as we always do um, and I have to ask my final question which we ask to everybody what book or books are you currently reading?
1: Well I just finished If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin Um, who is probably one of my favorite uh, authors from the tours Um, we talk about him briefly on the village tour Uh, I am starting a a book called This Mad Ideal by Floyd Dell he was one of the earliest village denizens who really kind of shaped the mystique of the village as we know it he was part of that first class if you will of village bohemian and writers and he was also memoirist and his memoirs of those early years in the village is part of what romanticized um, the village and I think made it more attractive for future generations to want to come be a part of it, even though his name has kind of been lost. And uh, um, I am actually also uh, midway through um, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, which I am rereading uh, to get in touch with my youth again. And uh, uh, so I might have to check out that Inklings
0: pub next time I'm across the pond. Indeed, indeed, it's a good one. Um, Do you ever discover connections you didn't know about, say, with Brooklyn and and Greenwich Village as you read new books? Constantly.
1: Constantly. And our tour is constantly changing. And, and I, I often run the risk, and I've had to really work with my guides to keep the tour within three hours because we get so much more information. And often what I find is I'll start doing research and I'll see a name. I'm like, oh. I can connect that person to the village, and then that leads me somewhere else. And so I might have been researching, say, James Baldwin, but three hours later, I've got fifteen different authors <laughs> and now, and I'm in Brooklyn, and I keep tagging new links and finding new sources, and I'm ordering new books um, because there really is so much of a, a, a commingling, if you will, of a lot of these writers, and, and especially with with the Brooklyn and the Village, because many of the Brooklyn writers were Village denizens who wanted to kind of get away from the noise, if you will. And so it's sort of often known as Little Bohemia, some of the earlier years of the Brooklyn that we'll touch upon. But um, we are constantly finding new authors. Uh I'm check marking and highlighting books whenever I see a reference to some place that's nearby, um, I'll see I'll read a news article and find out um, something new about Paula Fox and I'm like, Oh our house was right over here, we go buy that and you know now I'm reworking our route so it, it, is, it is constant discovery, which is exciting for me. And I think our tour is constantly evolving, which is fun because we do get a lot of return visitors. So the fact that every time they come, whatever they remember, we're bringing them something new as well.
0: Excellent. It sounds wonderful. If I am in New York, I will definitely look up your tour.
1: Well, I hope to see you on there. And uh, just bring a few friends because we all want to get out of control.
0: Of course, yeah. Well, I'd ne- I'd need help, so someone of my age, going around <laughs> the pubs. <laughs> Alright, okay. That's all we have time for this week. Eric, many thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Richard. This was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out.
0: That's Eric Chase, who is the owner of Boot Scrape Entertainment, which runs literary pub crawls and walking tours around New York City. You can learn more about Eric's walking tours at literarypubcrawl.com, literarypubcrawl.com. And we hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you.